0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special moment on the House Divided podcast. First ever guest today. We are bringing Dan, also known as Seolja on Twitter. Um, uh, Jeremy, you're muted. This is very on brand.
1: So white, it's solja.
0: Sorry, I I <laughs> thought the whole point of the pun was to say it. But I am very white. Let's let our guest Dan, what is up?
2: Uh, the, Brandon, you are all good. Um, I'm, doing, I'm doing well. Uh, just finished watching a bit of The Bachelorette. Had uh, an NBA auction draft tonight. So we got a lot of stuff going on. Um, feeling good. Uh, yeah, uh, Twitter handle is Solja with two A's. Uh, don't blame people for mispronouncing that, though. I mean, it's, uh, it can be a common mistake. But I'm doing great. I didn't know I was the first guest on y'all's pod, so oh yeah, feel very, very blessed and honored. This is great.
0: Yes. So for those of you that uh, don't know, Solja is the co-owner of SpartanHoops.com. So we're going to let you talk about that, especially the also the host of the Breslin Banter podcast. So he knows a lot more about basketball than either Jeremy or I. So we're going to talk about that tonight.
2: Yes. So yeah. I, um, I wouldn't say I, I will definitely not try to claim to know the most, but uh yeah, definitely um, am proud to announce that. Yeah. I am co-owner of SpartanHoops.com. You can just type that in the URL. You can find it. Uh, my uh, partner is known on Twitter as DK or at Spartan hoops underscore DK. Um, I would say when it comes to basketball junkies, he, I, I can't even come close to him, but uh, we, we, Yeah, we came on Twitter around the same time, talked a lot about MSU hoops, and I honestly came to Twitter just looking to talk with a few people about the game. Did not think that I would find myself talking to a lot of different people. Did not think Twitter was uh, what it is for its good and and bad. Uh, And I think it was around January where DK and I just started talking about putting together a site and putting together some content. We really wanted to dive into the analytics behind the game, um, something we feel that was lacking um, kind of around the web, and we decided to kind of push forward with it. We met in Michigan in March, and we launched in July, and we're happy to say that it's been going pretty well up to this point. Uh, But you can pretty much go there for game previews, game breakdowns and recaps, film reviews. We've got now some shot charts popping up, and we're going to be trying to explore a lot more I guess, different ways we can bring analytics and deep dives into the game instead of just like a quick, you know, preview or, uh, you know, one hitter. We want to try to cover all the bases.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, I'll just say this, Michigan State Twitter is very lucky to have you guys uh, providing that type of analysis. That's the type of stuff that, you know, you go to sports Twitter for, uh, not just to scream at each other in all caps and be general dipshits. Um, Well, Hold on, that I mean,
1: forty again,
0: forty percent. But
1: no, yeah, this site's awesome. You guys should definitely check it out. Uh, The MSU beat has pretty regularly been a life of being jealous of what Michigan fans have. Like, I feel like we don't really have an MGo blog or an UM hoops, uh, you know, quality website. So now we have one for hoops, and that's great. Um, You know, that's uh, we're catching up. You know, getting into the twenty-first century and having good analytics on our actual really good basketball team so it's it's fun to catch up and not have to just read uh as much as I love him and he follows me on Twitter and says he should hire me Graham Couch isn't your go-to for basketball anymore so
0: (laughs) yeah so let's talk about that basketball team because last night there was a game and uh they got beat by Northwestern and I'm not here to taunt especially because I'm outnumbered um, and I, I just want to hear some thoughts on it because I only caught a little bit of the first half.
2: I feel like it's okay to taunt if you if you watch that game last night. Um, <laughs> I think we, we all do it after performances like that, but, I mean, at the end of the day, it was, uh, what, the fourth straight game where Michigan State really came out and didn't play any cohesive defense. Uh, they pretty much, in addition to that, came out with no energy, no drive. It didn't look like neither the coaching staff nor the team spent the week of rest to do their homework on on Northwestern's game plan. And it all kind of just snowballed for close to 40 minutes. And I said this last night in my recap, but one of the troubling things that I have seen that really was evident last night was because we don't have a go-to score in Cassius Winston anymore, our offensive is up in the air and you would expect a guy like Watts, a guy like Henry Hauser to kind of help formulate that identity, but it's still early on in the season. We still have a lot of players in new roles. So you're really looking for your defense to amp your offense here. And because our defense now has started off pretty poorly the last few games and last night was pretty bad, that just snowballed onto the other end. And we just never, never found our bearings. Uh, We let Northwestern play their game. And admittedly, I mean, they're a better team than they were last year. They're more experienced. I think Chris Collins has that team operating really well. Um, And if you let a team like Northwestern play their game and you don't make them change or adjust or have to shift the plan, you're done. Um, And, It's as good as, or I guess as better as they are this year than they were last year. Yesterday was a must win. I mean, I know it's the first game of the Big Ten, but you can't drop those games. And we did. So it's pretty poor all around.
1: So Dan, one of the big talks on MSU Twitter now for like probably three to four games is uh, some anger over the starting lineup and uh, the utilization really of the five spot. So where are your, what's kind of your feelings, and how do you think that kind of played a role last night and where we go from here, you know, looking at
2: the lineup? I'd say over the last three to four games, I've mentioned it in passing here and there, and then last night was the first time where I'd mentioned it probably more times than I should have, and I was like, this needs to change. And if there's one thing we should know about Izzo in rotations is that he's going to be uh, sticking pretty close to what he's always done. He's going to have a deep rotation, uh, uh, use a lot of guys early in the season. He wants to figure out how lineups work. He wants to get people minutes. And as we saw last night, he wants to give some hard lessons during the game. Um, Aaron Henry made a mistake when we still had about a sliver of hope and he took him out. He put AJ Hogart in. And to me, I'm not necessarily mad at those types of, of adjustments or Uh, coaching pieces that he has in game but what I am starting to kind of get a little annoyed with is a bit of his stubbornness I think that if you see the way we've come out especially defensively the last three to four games with the same starting lineup um, it's kind of one of those cliche things of like insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result and that's kind of where we've gotten to I don't expect Izzo to be stubborn enough to put Kithier starting against a Kofi Coburn or a Luca Garza. But at this point, he hasn't really proven to us this season that he's going to make changes. And so, yeah, I think last night was kind of the boiling point for a lot of people, Um, though I think this has been something we've been talking about a lot. I wouldn't mind having someone like a Julius Marble get more minutes at least. I mean, he's not even getting double-digit minutes a game, so that needs to get amped up. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing maybe small ball. I mean, Malik Hall's proven himself, especially defensively. So throw him in there, throw Hauser in there, maybe start small. Uh, But it's hard because when you talk about the five, obviously right now the starting lineup isn't really working that well, but no one's really stepped up to prove themselves otherwise, especially on defense. And so I think that's kind of the thing that we have to juggle as fans is like we might not have a clear-cut answer right now. And to Tom Izzo's credit, maybe that's what he's thinking by trotting out the same starting lineup over and over. Um, the only other thing I would say, uh, well, I guess this isn't to the five, but uh, I also have been an advocate of maybe getting Gabe Brown some starting time, uh, maybe throw him in there. He's been a spark plug the last four to five games and over that stretch, he's averaging 13.5 points a game. He's finding different ways to attack the basket and he's not disappearing anymore. Something last year we saw a lot of him do. So. I'm up for change, and I know Izzo is too, but sometimes early on the season he sticks to his his guns maybe a little little too much. That's what I'll say.
0: Dude, Gabe Brown scares the shit out of me, and he has ever since he got to campus. That dude is like I am just constantly been waiting for two and a half years for him to be like – an animal and one of the best players in the big Ten, And until he leaves, I'm confident that he's going to eventually. And I know it's going to happen. I mean, he is his dunk scare the shit out of me, but um, I, I mean, this isn't abnormal though for an MSU team in December to not have their lineup sorted out and stuff. And it still doesn't make me feel like we're going to see an any worse team come March. Um, but let, let's kind of talk about that as a, and, transition into what I wanted to ask you because we I don't think any of us are sitting here thinking MSU doesn't have the capability to go end up getting a share of the Big Ten and making a run in March uh for them to do that and hit their ceiling what what has to happen
2: Uh, I mean uh, first and foremost I think there needs to be this team coming together and finding their identity first on the defensive end I would argue that both offensively and defensively, the ceilings are really high. Um, But I feel like for this offense to click and for it to truly reach its ceiling, the defense needs to hit that first. Um, We've seen a lot of times when it's worked uh, against Notre Dame, for large spurts against Duke, that when the defense is clicking and you see one through five uh, really hammering, buckling down, grinding it out, putting high pressure, getting active hands and passing lanes, that opens everything up on the offensive end that opens up your transition game uh, that opens up easy and efficient shots going the other way. And I really think that's the big lever. Um, we need to, we need to find what we had against Notre Dame and Duke and bring it consistently, you know, and maybe we did get fat and sassy after those games and we said, Hey, we're good. You know, we've got now some lower tier competition we can play down to. If, if this year's telling us anything, you can't do that. You just can't. So I think it really has to come on the defensive end first. Um, And then I think really, I mentioned Cassius Winston. Maybe this comes on a few individuals. We just need some people stepping up every game to be helping to shape and, and figure out what that identity is on what it seems like is a blank canvas right now. So you look at a guy like Aaron Henry, who is a junior now, he is in, um, probably his last year at MSU though, you know, that could be up in the air. You have Rocket Watts, you've got Joey Hauser. I think those three are going to be your three main guys, three heads to the snake of our attack. Um, but we still haven't seen, I think a consistent output or production or even an identity form, uh, for this team to really be making waves. Um, I also think it, it also, it comes on the coaching staff as well. Uh, I, I don't want to hammer home too much because I feel like I'm beating a dead horse, but, Uh, Some of the lineups you saw last night, I think some of the decisions that were made to be pulling out uh, Aaron Henry in the second half, um, not deciding to go with a Marble Hall lineup in the second half when they really did look good and they stemmed a Northwestern run. Kind of, I think you kind of scratch your head. uh, But at the end of the day, I mean, I'm not on the sidelines coaching these kids. And so I have to check myself. Um, But I do think as MSU teams have historically gotten better throughout the season, I think coaching decisions have as well. And, and who are we to question Thomas? Who are we to question a hall of fame coach? Um, So those are a couple of things I'm really looking to see come together. Uh, It's, it's weird. We've got a lot of players in new roles. We've got a lot of players trying to figure out new things. And as we saw last year, things really started to click towards February. So that's kind of the output I'm looking to see. Um, I just hope it's not too late for a a big 10 championship.
0: Yeah, and I don't think it is. I mean, it, teams are going to drop games like like last night all over the league all the way up until the last day of the season. This league is going to be a gauntlet. Um, do you see a world where the wheels kind of fall off this thing and these problems kind of fester into anything bigger? And, and if so, I mean, what is MSU's floor, right? Because I, I I would never put them, but like, even worst-case scenario, behind, like, seven or 8th in the Big Ten.
2: Yeah, I don't think it'll be seventh or eighth. I think when we look at this year and what the definition of wheels falling off for this team can be, I think it would be falling out of the kind of the top rung of teams that we thought preseason we're going to finish one through four. So that's what Michigan State, Wisconsin, Iowa, and Illinois. Yeah. Um, you've got teams knocking on the door. You got Rutgers who had a great win against Illinois to go 2-0 in the league. You've got Michigan who is still undefeated, who I think, They are knocking on the door, though I don't think they're quite there yet. Uh, You've got some other teams, too. I mean, like you said, Brennan, this team is, or this league is so deep. Uh, We lost to a Northwestern team, I don't think is going to finish on the bottom. I think they can finish 12, 11, or arguably 10th, and that's maybe a stretch, but they're a solid deep. I would say the floor right now for MSU would be finishing fifth, sixth maybe going out the first weekend in, in, in the tourney. And uh, I can, I guess I could see that happening if, if things don't come together. If this team is still kind of plodding around, looking to see who is uh, is going to be stepping up consistently. Um, if we are seeing maybe the type of production that Rocket Watts had last night happen over several games, though I don't think that will be the case, then we're in trouble. Um Aaron Henry, I mean, if if you look at his either shot charts or his shooting percentages this season, uh, he's taken a lot. He's a high-volume shooter, and his efficiency isn't necessarily where you want it to be, although I'd argue he's a uh, do-it-everything type of guy that you don't really want to worry about that right now because he is the anchor to this team. Um, I guess I could see uh, the wheels falling off and having that finish for this, for this team. It's a long um,
0: shot. Right. it's a long
2: shot it yeah. is definitely a long shot I would say that's something you don't want to put your money uh, or you don't want to bank on um, you'd expect this team to be turning tides and, and making moves which I think is going to happen
0: yeah I agree uh, I like that you mentioned Michigan though so let's uh, Jeremy do you have anything else to say on Michigan State any final um, thoughts
1: I, I think I have one more and we'll make that the final uh, question before we let Dan go so we we'll, we we'll transition to Michigan
0: okay cool Uh, Michigan, as you mentioned is undefeated. Um, so before we get to the, how do they hit their ceiling for Michigan? I think there needs more clarification with this team, what a ceiling is because you mentioned, uh, being top four in the league. And I kind of view that very similarly. Um, I think if Michigan hits everything, they would be, it best case scenario to me is getting extremely lucky and splitting a conference title with like three or four teams um, probably finishing third or fourth. If all things click uh, it, do you agree with me on that? And then I, I guess I'll get to the question of how do they hit that? How does that happen with this roster?
2: I agree hundred percent because, because this league is so talented and so deep, the margin between the top four teams and a team like Michigan is Razor. It's so thin. Mm-hmm. And for this team to be finishing as a co-champion or to be finishing in that top tier, which I do think is a very solid ceiling, um, it's it's not going to take... I mean, it's going to take much, but I don't think it's going to take much uh, of anything different than what we're seeing up to this point. And if we're going to get into what needs to happen, I think we can do that. But uh, they're knocking on the door. Um, and when at least from what I've seen, when this team is hitting stride and um, when things are coming together, it's it's going to be hard to stop. I mean, who would have predicted a guy like Hunter Dickinson to be arguably one of their best players up to this point? I mean, yeah. th- th- this, it's, it's a lot of promising pieces and a lot of, uh, I think, a good mix of promising pieces and some, some older guys and some vets to really kind of make waves here. Um, the problem is that you run into is like, how do they fare against in Illinois or in Iowa? And mm-hmm. We're yet to see, but uh, I'm intrigued nonetheless.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think so too. I, I love hearing you talk about Hunter Dickinson because I love hearing anybody talk about Hunter Dickinson. I mean, dudes came in. Obviously, the caveat here is that he's 20 years old, and so he is a freshman, but he, do, he just turns 20. Uh, but still, he's been an unreal uh, revelation for Michigan, I think. Um, I think the biggest issue with this team is how long is Austin Davis gone? Um, because if Hunter gets into foul trouble, you're pretty much forced into a small ball lineup. And there are definitely some teams in the, the big 10. Like if you go to Illinois and are forced to play small ball for 30 minutes, I don't think you have a chance of stopping Kofi Cooper
2: <laughs> Yeah, I would agree with that. And like this summer, I figured that Austin Davis would be, Ah, uh, the replacement center to to come after Teskey, uh, or I guess be Teskey's replacement, and he really is kind of the he's one of Michigan's levers that can really determine where they're going to go. Because as you mentioned, like uh, if Dickinson gets into foul trouble or if things aren't really clicking for him at a given night, you're going to need that secondary big man there to be helping, especially against a team like you know, that has Kofi Coburn in, uh, in Indiana yeah. with Trace Jackson Davis, things like that. Okay. Um, so he is uh, most definitely. Um, going to be a, a, a crucial piece for them. I mean, I also look at this team's depth, and I, I see a guy like Brandon Johns, who is now coming into form as an upperclassman, I think. If you are getting consistent minutes, hustle, and effort from guys like him, um, you've got the depth to compete with teams like Michigan State. You've got the depth to compete for a conference championship. Um, and, I mean, the way Jawan Howard's had now both of his two seasons and, and the starts that he's had, um, I I have, I guess, confidence in the way that he can be, you know, pushing this team as well. I mean, there was some talk about that, uh, maybe, I guess, argument or feedback he had with uh, Isaiah Livers. Um, but I thought that was good. Honestly, you yes. saw them towards the end of that game, and they were, like, with each other, you know, giving fist bumps. And I think that's the type of energy and just, like, grit you're going to want from one of your your uh, your veteran leaders. So, uh, I yeah, I, I agree with you. I think all these pieces are – um yeah, solid for, for Howard in year two. And I wouldn't be surprised if if they do make a run and they finish in that top tier. I, I don't know if I'd pick them as a co champion yet, but that's no, a very I, good ceiling to have. Yeah,
0: yeah, I think so too. Um before we talk about I, I and I really think a lot of the going the other way, how does Michigan hit their floor is probably injuries to I I don't know anybody. I mean, I guess on the wing, they have some good depth, but even, you know, if you lose Chondy Brown or Isaiah livers or Franz Wagner, you're not going to be happy about any of those. So um, I I really think injuries could hamper, hamper this Michigan team. So fingers crossed that they don't happen. Um, One question I have that's a little bit more specific is Mike Smith viable for 25 to 30 minutes a game in the big 10. Do you think? I, on defense, I, I'm not worried about his offensive production. He is so quick because at first when we got him, I just felt like the biggest hypocrite in the world because I've been kind of laughing at Foster Lawyer for a couple of years. And then, <laughs> and then Mike Smith got brought on. But I, I think Mike Smith might be a little quicker and ha- be a little bit more athletic than Foster. Um, I just completely worry about him on the defensive end.
2: I agree. Uh, I mean, I think it's going to depend upon matchups. And right now I would say he hasn't proven to me that he can be viable consistently or game in game out on defensive end. And I do think what you can see is Howard making adjustments to where, um, you know, maybe there isn't as much pressure on him to be having to take on as big of a bear or mode on the defensive end. Um, but also it's hard with a guy like Mike Smith because he is a smaller guard and mm-hmm. there are not many different, I guess, places you can rotate him to. Um, there are times where I've seen where he can kind of hold his, and there are other times where his lateral quickness isn't there. And uh, It's going to be hard when you got uh, him on maybe an Iota uh, It's hard when yeah. he, you say, hey, Rocket, uh, let's see what you can do here, or even a, an Aaron Henry or a Gabe Brown. Um, so I think it's dependent upon the matchups. But I will say, I mean, if he is going to be consistent on the other end of the floor, I don't see uh, a reason to be limiting his minutes as uh, I guess that much um, mm-hmm. kind of uh yeah, kind of going to be a pipe dream for him to be a two way player, but at least if he can be productive on the offensive end, which I really like. I mean, I saw a lot of him, the first couple of games that Michigan had, I, I thought it was a good pickup and, you know, maybe it's just going to take some time playing in the Big Ten, coming from the Ivy League to get used to the pace of the game. I think the the elite competition that you're going to be facing now. Um, but as of now, I mean, he really hasn't proven to me that he can be viable on defensive end consistently uh, for what you said, what, 20, 25 minutes. Uh, give him in spurts there, maybe yes, but uh, yet to see if he can be doing that for long stretches
0: yeah, I tell you what, though, uh, t- sitting here talking about this, it, it what an exciting Big Ten season we're in store for. I mean, fingers crossed this goes about as well as it can because of COVID. But um, I mean, what a fun league year in and year out. Um, so let's talk about some grander things in the scheme of the league, and then we'll uh, we'll let Dan go. Um, give me the team that if MSU isn't playing in the Big Ten, this team is on. You're tuned in
2: Rutgers hands down
0: Rutgers.
1: Oh, Oh, never skip the rack.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I love this team. Uh, I I honestly started really kind of clinging to them last year when they started to put some wins together. Uh, I thought their defense was tremendous, their hustle, their energy, their heart, and them missing the tournament last year because of covert COVID broke me. I was like, this team was playing yeah. so well they deserve the spot much like penn state last year and i told myself this summer when i'm not watching msu these are going to be the guys that i root for and that's awesome uh, they they've proven it up to this point they had a great game against illinois though they started a bit sloppy and slow they were able to kind of uh, stem the tide there uh, i on ron harper Jr. is playing out of his mind And you've got guys surrounding him in Geo Baker uh, and uh, who is their, their big, um, I believe that is Johnson, um, but I may not be certain there. Uh, Just a whole cast of characters that for the most part are returning from a team last year that really had heart and had an identity and they're bringing it in this year as well. Um, They've got a grueling schedule. I think their next nine games are going to be tough. They just played Illinois. They're going to be playing us soon. I believe they've got to play Illinois again in that stretch. And then they've got some mid-level conference games that are going to be testers as well, Purdue, Indiana. So uh, record-wise, I'm not sure how they're going to finish. I definitely don't think they're going to be undefeated after that stretch. But I, they are knocking at the door, too. I mean, if they, if they can be getting some upsets against some of the top four teams in this league, watch out for them. I think Steve Pickel is a Pickel is a great coach. Um, he is one of those guys like a John line that um, really teaches his players the game. He knows the game in and out, and he lets his players play for the most part. Um, he is, I would say, top three coach in the Big Ten.
0: Wow, oh, that, that was an unexpected pick, but that's how you know you're a basketball purist because I'm an idiot over here. I'm like, Iowa, give me points. <laughs> no, you like the gritty team. I like that you mentioned their schedule because between now and January 28th, um, which is Rutgers' second game against MSU. They play nine games. Only one of those teams is rated outside the top 30 on Ken Palm, and it's Penn State at 44. Uh, they don't get a game against a non-top-50 team until January 31st against, oh, Northwestern, who can also beat a really good team. <laughs> God, this uh, conference. I All right, so... A couple weeks ago, me and Jeremy did this. I believe I picked Wisconsin and MSU, splitting the title. Jeremy, I believe, took Illinois. Um, He did. Give me your league prediction. Who do you think wins this thing?
2: Okay, so let me go over yours again. Brendan, you said there's going to be split.
0: Yes, I think Wisconsin and MSU share this title. Um, Wisconsin, because they're really the only team who hasn't really showed a weakness yet in Mm -hmm. the Big Ten. Uh, and, uh, MSU because I'm a pessimist by nature. So I am just trying was to say MSU
1: is your boogeyman pick and you know it.
0: Yeah, it is. I, to be fair, I made it a couple weeks ago when they were like about to beat Duke or some shit. I didn't, I, but I'm standing by it though, because again, I have to be mentally prepared for like the ninth title in a row or whatever. It's going to be.
2: I like that. I, I think I'm going to – I picked them in the summer. I'm going to pick them again. I'm going to go Wisconsin. I think they're going to win outright, though I obviously wouldn't be surprised if they're co-champions this year. Um, I think it will be Wisconsin 1. I'm going to go Illinois 2, MSU 3, Iowa 4, which might be a bit of a surprise, but I'm really banking on MSU hitting their ceiling on some things. Um, Then I'll go Rutgers 5, Michigan 6. But I – yeah, that's so hard. This, this, This conference is just loaded. I think for anyone who's thinking Iowa, my one knock against them, as we've all probably talked about before, is what the hell is Fran McCaffrey doing with that defense? Like, it's he doesn't even care. <laughs> Nothing. That's Nothing. an easy question. <laughs> Nothing. And yeah. this was the talk of the town this summer when all the pundits had Iowa in the top five, and our responses was, I mean, it was simple. It was, well, if they can prove that they play defense, maybe, but you can't get in a shootout every night. It just doesn't Whoa. happen you saw that against Gonzaga um, transition defense is downright terrible. They should, Fran should be ashamed. Honestly, it's, it's, it's atrocious. Um, but that's not the same that, that.
0: Dan. he has no shame, Dan.
2: <laughs> yeah. We, well, are. Yeah.
0: are you kidding? No, he doesn't. <laughs> I mean, you but know. just wait till they have to play big 10 teams where the coaches all know exactly how to get a hundred points. You know, exactly. I, I, I don't see them winning the title. I thought any picks were a bit too optimistic because The record has shown that he refuses to acknowledge that the team plays defense.
2: Agreed. Agreed. But that's not to say there's a perfect team in this league. There isn't.
0: And uh, every team's got its pros
2: and cons up to this point. And honestly, I'm trying to take everything with a grain of salt this year because there are bigger things at hand than than basketball right now.
0: Absolutely.
2: Just enjoy it.
1: (laughs) So what would you say is going to be the loss? Like, so Wisconsin wins it. How many losses do you think they have? Cause I saw that was kind of a good discussion good on Twitter after the MSU game last night was kind of, I saw, I forget who it was, but so tweeted treated out, you know, I think the winners are going to have four to five losses. So you can't really get down on one loss. Cause it's, you probably have a good number to give. Um, but what would you guess for like the the champ this year? Obviously with all the 2020 caveats, I'm like, there's going to be some weird oh, yeah. <laughs> that's going to come up, but uh, you know, what would you guess? Like uh, assuming we get a full season and everything.
2: You know, how how that's gonna play out. Yeah, I I would say I would say four, maybe five. Um I don't know if I could pin him any lower than three, but I mean, if you look at Kempom, I believe his prediction says their only loss comes to Iowa and that's the last one of the season. Um, but I can see I can see them dropping honestly one of their two games against Michigan. Um, I can Mm. see a team like Illinois pulling out a a close one. So there's two already. I would like to believe that Christmas Day, Michigan State can pull something off and and get that win. But um, right now I'm not feeling too good about that. Uh, I just think there's so much, again, so much depth, so much parity this year that there's no way you can't walk out of this league with losses and be the winner. It's just going to be too much of a slugfest.
1: Sounds good. So before we let you go, we're going to talk about signing day this week with football. So I think I had to get one more question on you. Recruit related. How you as Tom Izzo get Akins and Imani Bates back together and save that class. I mean, yes, that's the, like uh, you mentioned before we came on you watch the bachelorette. That's our like reality series right now on MSU Twitter is we're trying to figure oh. out. How do we get these kids in a room together?
0: My tiny pea brain forgot that that happened already.
1: It's 2020, Brendan. It's, it feels like that was four years ago, but that was not that long ago.
2: Right, I was just asking myself, when exactly did that happen? Whoa, that was only a few weeks ago, right? Um, yeah, so I think this is the tough thing. You look at recruiting and first off, you have to say to yourself, I mean, we're, we're talking about kids. We are talking about human beings who are still have like 10 years worth of growth ahead of them. Um, And I, I mentioned that first because I don't, I don't want any of this to come off ever as us pointing fingers at kids. Um, I think the situation that happened with Ipsy prep came down to how adults handled that situation point blank period. And when you have players that get into an argument or have players that have differences, part of your role as the coach and as the adult in that situation is to help facilitate mediate and to help kind of rebuild or recraft um, how that relationship is going to be, because there are always going to be ups and downs. So if I'm Izzo, and if I'm looking at this situation, I, I don't necessarily think that, hey, let's have like a mediate conversation with the three of us, but I, I, I do kind of would probably look at talking to both camps and saying, here's exactly how I envision your role being when you come to East Lansing, and here's how I envision your role playing out with every other player who's gonna be on this roster. I think like having clear cut expectations for how not only you're going to be playing, but how you're gonna be fitting in with other, others is going to be key. And I don't, I wouldn't fault anyone for saying, you know what, that fits just not for me then. Uh, and then I, I gotta, I gotta piece out deuces, but I don't know, I, I would just try to make things as clear as possible and say, hey, you are coming into a program where I know that your entire career, you've, you've gotten yours. Like that's been your game. Uh, I'm going to promise that you're going to get yours, but you're going to do it within the confines of how we operate here at Michigan State. Um, And I, 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 yeah, I guess maybe just continuing to be consistent communication with both camps. Honestly, I don't see any problem uh, on the Aiken side. I think it's just all up in the air in terms of what Bates wants to do with possible reclassification, possibly professional ball, wherever that may be um and I'm not saying that camp was at fault about what happened but I think that's going to be the, the lever that you're going to really need to push more uh because I think there's more I just I guess more avenues for where Bates could go I think Akins is for sure going to be yeah solid Michigan State but um Bates's decision is still up in the air uh got a lot of options but that's my thing and I'm glad I'm not a coach because I I have already handled enough with students to where I, I couldn't do that on the sports end so
0: Well, thank you for the insight. Thank you so much for coming on the pod. This was a blast. Um, I do want to address one more topic for you two before we go, but I just wanted to, again, plug Spartan hoops, go check out the good stuff. Um, But uh, real quick to end this show, you and Northwestern, Michigan state and Northwestern traded upsets over top 10 teams in different sports was it worth it? Would you trade, and I'm asking this to both of you, would you have traded you guys getting out clean of that basketball game last night for the football when not happening? Uh, yes. For sure, yes. you said? <laughs> I yes. thought Jeremy would say no. Oh.
1: I would say no. No, so I'm saying no.
0: Oh, okay, that's uh, exactly Pat, what I,
1: I hate Pat jail, that union-busting asshole. Uh, I <laughs> loved beating him. I... I could, I'm not trading ever beating that guy. Um, you know, the only thing that sucks the most was it was an empty stadium and I wasn't there, uh, watching their bus leave. Like, no, I would never trade that. There's a lot of basketball left to play. We talked about it. It's going to be a long season. Uh, I, I can't trade Mel Tucker, uh, taking Fitzgerald to school and, you know, and, and now that's our lasting image of like, I mean, the last good image of Rocky Lombardi, you know he's transferring out, so yeah, I wouldn't trade that for uh, for basketball. But uh, I also don't have to deal with the uh, the replies that Dan does on Twitter for basketball coverage. So I uh, that's an easy one for me to
2: take. That's wait, hold on, I misinterpreted the question. So oh, I, I thought okay. the question was you wouldn't trade it, and I said yes. So no, I so I guess I'm with Jeremy here because no, okay. I, I think you got to look at you got to look at it from just Michigan State broad overview here.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: MSU basketball to Jeremy's point. I think we're going to be fine. And there's, we've got so many more games down the stretch and we've got Tom Izzo, a hall of fame coach. He's already cemented. But if you look at that win against Northwestern in football uh, you look at Mel Tucker's first year, you look at just our wins, Michigan, Northwestern uh, I wouldn't trade that at all. You got to think about the swings that win brought. Um, you got to think about what that did for the program and for Mel's first year. Um, and when I was watching Northwestern Ohio state in that game, and I saw their records on the scoreboard, I was so happy to see that one in the lost. Yes. I knew yeah, that that is awesome.
0: cool. Yes. So it, I mean, so yeah, obviously there are real implications for you guys as programs, but I was hoping just for this to turn into a who's more unlikable Pat's, Pat Fitzgerald to Chris <laughs> Collins. That's true. That's a good Tell point. Me,
1: when Pat Fitzgerald gets down on the sidelines, like a dog and becomes a <laughs> meme. Then he can be as likable as Chris Collins. Until he does that,
0: oh, the only likable part
1: of Northwestern football is the guy in the polo flexing all day.
0: Oh man, that guy
1: works. That guy takes four pre pre workouts before every game.
0: I hope the Bears hire him.
1: Oh my god, I will kill you. <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> all right. Well, with that being said, again, Dan, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, everybody, go make sure to. Uh, rate and review subscribe to the podcast on apple or spotify A- any parting words from you guys
2: just want to say thank you for having me on again i definitely love coming on to pods and especially pods with two people that i really uh, really like enjoy talking to and appreciate so uh honor and um hopefully we can be doing this again i'll have you two on breslin banter let's do that
0: <laughs> that'll be fun all right everybody fuck chris collins